Well, good morning, Heartland. Good morning. As always, it is so great to be together, whether we're here on site or tuning in online, whether we're wearing our Sunday best or still in our pajamas. It is always great to gather. So grateful that we have that opportunity and never more than today, right? Because it has been a week. I mean, think back last week, we concluded a series about what God is doing individually and collectively in our church community, doing a new thing. That as we put Jesus first, we can grow to love and learn and lead like Jesus. And each one of you took the opportunity to say, here's what I'm going to do to take hold of that Jesus first life. You remember that? I mean, it seems like it was two years ago, but that was that. Well, you can still take hold of this nice green Heartland window decal. If you're tuning in online, we'd love to hear what God's doing in your heart, that new thing. Just go to the website, let us know, and we'll send you one of these. And if you're in the room, you can grab one as well. Well, it was Tuesday. I don't know if you heard, but we had an important election. There's been a lot of ground since then that has happened. The way I spent Tuesday was sort of a, uh, a retreat work day, kind of preparing, uh, so I wasn't tuned in to what was happening with the news. And then I met with my two good friends, Shibu Matthew uh, and Greg Ely. Here's a picture. We're out at McLean's on row, and we are excited. We're doing well. We know it's an important day. I want you to know this is the look of three pastors who are done with their sermons for three weeks. Like, there's no greater feeling. We knew it was an important time. We knew we wanted to spend three weeks in the sort of aftermath of whatever happened, speaking the words we believe from Jesus to our church and to maybe the church in our city. So um, God has been, you know, doing his thing, and we're excited to be part of it. Um, So, anyway... Well, I knew where we wanted to begin. I wanted to take us back individually and collectively to remember that some of our greatest moments as a nation have come in some of our most challenging times. And I want us to remember back and I want us to imagine we were there. Will you do that with me? I mean, imagine you were there on July 4th, 1776, that the Second Continental Congress penned the words to the Declaration of Independence. And they declared with one voice, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among those are life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. And so in that day, our founding fathers gathered us together, said, we want to be one as a nation, stand up against tyranny, and join together as one nation under God. Well, imagine you were there with me on August 19th, 1863, on the fields of Gettysburg during the dedication of the the, uh, National Cemetery where Abraham Lincoln came up and gave a three-minute 272-word address to a nation crippled with division and bloodshed on the very ground where 51,000 Union and Confederate troops had perished. And he called us to get beyond our fighting, to come together. And he said these beautiful words, that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom And the government of the people, by the people, and for the people shall not perish 
from the earth. And just like our founding fathers, he urged us to come together as one nation under God. Well, imagine you were there with me on August 28th. 1963, during the March on Washington, when crowds of 250,000 strong showed up to support civil rights in our country so that all uh, people could have economic rights and end racism that was ravaging our country. And so standing on in the National Mall with Lincoln's uh, monument behind him, Martin Luther King Jr. reminded us of these threads and brought us into his dream, saying, even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. Our founding fathers gave a declaration. Abraham Lincoln gave an address, and MLK reminded us of of his dream, that we would be one nation under God. I don't know about you, but this election season in our current political climate seems so far removed from the ideals we hold true as a nation. Do we agree? We seem to be a nation divided. All the talk and rhetoric and ads and campaigning, it was all a race towards Tuesday. And we were told that on the ballot were two differing versions of America. And we were constantly being asked, whose side are you on? And today we still don't know the outcome to be sure, do we? We do know that a record-breaking 159 million votes have been cast. We know that as of yesterday, it was declared that we have a president-elect in Joe Biden, who will be the 46th president of the United States. And we also know that President Trump has declared that this election is far from over. See, there's much we still don't know. Will there be recounts? Will the Supreme Court intervene? How is it going to end? And how long will all of this go on? But even before Tuesday, we knew a few things. And Shibu and Greg and I got together, collaborated around this series, wanting to bring hope in a very divided time. We knew for certain, statistically speaking, National, Kansas, Johnson County, that today, this day, roughly half would be breathing a sigh of relief and roughly half would be utterly dismayed. And we also knew that if we could agree on anything is simply that a majority of us are deeply concerned. I mean, would that be true? Does that define where we are as a culture? And more importantly, is that define how it's feeling and being experienced by you and me. So the question is, what do we do now? What do we do now that our candidate party or platform has lost or won? How do we move forward as a nation, a nation divided, but even more importantly, how do we, you and I, respond as Jesus first followers? How do we move forward collectively as a church for the world. 
Well, there's good news. This is what our series, Looking Up, is all about. See, when we look out at the world, it's so easy to see hostility or it's easy to look down in discouragement, but we are encouraged and challenged to look up. Our hope comes from God, and we just know that on Monday, Jesus was Lord. On Tuesday, Jesus was Lord. Wednesday, leading up to today, Jesus is still Lord. So no matter the outcome, it's in God that we trust. And I know we're not like an amen sort of people, but can we say amen to that? So that's where we're heading today and for the next few weeks. How do we move forward individually, collectively, as a church? So I want to take us to John chapter 17. It's towards the end of Jesus's life. It actually uh, takes place at the Last Supper. And I want you to imagine you were there with me, if you would. Maybe you were one of his disciples and and you were part of that triumphal entry where tens of thousands of people were celebrating because on this national holiday, as they're remembering God uh, showing up and delivering them from oppression in Egypt, and everyone's asking, is Jesus the one? Is Jesus the one who is meant to save? And I want you to imagine that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday rolls around and and you're able to be in the upper room, and all your hopes are fixed on Jesus, and yet it starts to appear like things aren't going to turn out as you hoped. Jesus talking about victory not in overcoming Rome, but by being a willing sacrifice for the sins of everyone. Jesus saying, soon I will depart, and that's better for you. How could that be better? Because I'll send my Holy Spirit who will be in you. And it's in this place, in sort of the darkest hour and the most trialing of circumstances that Jesus offers these words in this prayer. The last words of John 16, Jesus says, I've told you all of these things, all of this, so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I've overcome the world. Those are good words for us today, are they not? can have peace in me, take heart, so I've overcome the world. And then as it turns the page to John chapter 17, the text reads, after Jesus had spoken these words, he looked up to heaven and prayed. And so these 12 disciples in the room and Jesus prays and he prays for them that the Father would lead them and protect them and bless them and guide them and use them and most especially that God would watch over them so that they would be united as one, even as we are one, Jesus says. And it's interesting that in this moment, during this difficult time, Jesus doesn't pray for the world. He doesn't even pray for Israel. He doesn't pray for the nations. And he's actually not praying for America. But he's praying for the church. He's praying for his disciples in that moment. And then get this, this is stunning to me. In that moment, in the upper room, Jesus prays for you. Jesus prays for me. And so I want to pick up starting in verse 20, where Jesus says, I ask not only for these disciples, the 12 in the room, but also for all those who will one day believe in me through their message. Guess what? That's you and it's me. Jesus prayed for us. I pray for them all to be joined together as one, even as you and I uh, You and I, Father, are joined together as one. I pray for them to become one with us so that the world may recognize that you 
sent me. For the very glory you have given to me, I've given to them so that we will be joined together as one. Isn't that important? Isn't that encouraging? Isn't that significant for you and I during what may feel like dark times, challenging trials? Jesus is praying for us, and he's praying this, that we would be joined together as one. So the question is, how do we do that? How do we do that at this particular time in history where the division is at an all-time high? The good news is that Jesus, who asks us to do that, tells us exactly how in this prayer. And he says, join together in unity, prayer, and love. This is his call then, this I believe is his call now, that we would join together in unity, prayer, and love. Let me step back away from the church for just a moment and step into our cultural and political climate. Because we are at a need for unity, are we not, as a nation? It's time that we would focus not on what divides us, but on what unites us. In our name, in the way we choose to call ourselves, we're the United States of America. When our children go to school, they say a pledge of allegiance that says we are one nation under God with liberty and justice for all. That's why we're founded. That's the ideals that we hold dear. That's why I could sit with Greg Ely and Shibu Matthew on Tuesday, not knowing the outcome, but we could collectively say together, our country has everything in it to fix what's wrong with it. I believe that. But do you know why I believe that? Because there's an order here. Yes, we want to be one nation. Of course, we want liberty and justice for all, but it starts with this sense of being under God. And no matter if our politicians or platforms or parties may have forgotten that in different ways, at the end of the day, as followers of Jesus, we can always have hope because no matter the outcome, yesterday, today, or tomorrow, it's only in God that we trust. Can I get an amen? And so now back to us as a church. Jesus prays that we would join together in unity as one. For the very glory you've given me, I've given to them so that they, you and I, will be joined together as one and experience the same unity that we, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, enjoy. Jesus prays for unity, and church, that unity is available. Why? Because our unity is based in a higher power. If we're one nation under God, it's because we are first under God. That means God is over everything, over every power and president and party and platform. Our unity is rooted deeper in truth, the truth of Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, the infilling of his spirit that will not be thwarted no matter the day. And it's only through that spirit that we, no matter where we're at today in this cultural and political climate, can still join together as one. Now, let me be clear. Jesus is calling us to unity, not uniformity. And there's a big difference. Unity, I would describe in this way. Unity is a willingness to move forward freely together to achieve the common good. It's unified with others, doing that freely for something bigger than ourselves. Uniformity is different. It's a controlling sort of spirit. Uniformity is an uncompromising demand for compliance around a predetermined goal. 
Jesus is not asking for uniformity. We don't all have to vote the same way, but Jesus is calling us to unity that we would join together as one. Author Tony Evans puts this so well in a book called Oneness Embraced, where he's talking about the meaning of unity and how important that is and how it differs from uniformity. He says it like this, unity can be defined in its simplest of terms as oneness of purpose. It's working together in harmony toward a shared vision or goal. Unity isn't uniformity, nor is it sameness. Just as the Godhead is made up of three distinct persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, each unique in personhood, and yet at the same time, one in essence. Unity reflects a oneness that does not negate individuality. Unity does not mean everyone needs to be like everyone else. Depending on the variety of issues at hand, Christians may, up, may wind up voting for different parties or candidates. However, when Christians exit the voting booth, those differences should be set aside as we work together to focus on advancing God's kingdom. We must not let partisan politics of men determine how Christians relate to one another or how we work together to further God's kingdom. This is so significant for us, for you and I, during these challenging, challenging days, because the church is uniquely poised, like no other group of people on earth, to make a difference at all times, and especially this time. Why? Because our unity is based on a higher authority, on greater ideals. It's been paid with Christ's blood and empowered by His Spirit. And so Tony Evans says, the church is the only authentic cross-racial, racial, cross-cultural, and cross-generational basis for oneness in existence. Jesus Christ placed a tremendous emphasis on his desire for us to be one as his followers just hours before he would lay down his life for us. So Jesus' prayer goes on. He says to join together in unity and then to join together in love. You live fully in me and now I live fully in them so that they will experience perfect unity and the world will be convinced that you have sent me. For they will see that you love each one of them with the same passionate love that you have for me. Father, I have revealed to them who you are, and I will continue to make you even more real to them so that they may experience the same endless love that you have for me. For your love will now live in them, even as I live in them. You see, Jesus' prayer for you and I, for his church and his people, is that we would join together in love, that we'd experience that same passionate love that God has for the Son and for the church. We worshiped through that that was so beautiful today, that that love would be in them, in us, flowing in them and in us. Heartland, we said we want to be a people, individually and collectively, at the end of the day, that we would be Jesus' first people, and that we would learn to love, learn, and lead like Jesus, and that in our love, we would love God, love others, and love the furthest out. That is our highest ideal that's been given by Christ. And so during this time, we're to love God, the God who is able, the only thing in existence who can make us one. We're to love one another, honoring Jesus' vision, his prayer, and his blood. And we are to love the furthest out because it's the right thing to do, because it's God's will, and because the world is watching. 
Did you catch that in that last passage? That as we experience perfect unity that only comes from His Spirit, the world will be convinced. Another passage says, the world will believe in me. See, church, the world is watching, and they will know we are Christians by our yard signs and Facebook page and water cooler conversation. Or maybe it just goes back to they will know we are Christians by our love. There were so many ups and downs over the whole election process. A low point for me, perhaps for you, was the first presidential debate. I just said, oh God, God, you've got to show up or we are in trouble. Well, the second debate was better, but the highlight for me was the last question that didn't come from a politician or a journalist. The moderator, Susan Page, asked the question offered by an eighth grader, Brecklin Brown, so important and powerful. She's asking it for the leaders of our country, which is really, really important. I want to ask the same question to you and I as Jesus' church. Brecklin said it like this, when I watch the news, all I see is arguing between Democrats and Republicans. When I watch the news, all I see is citizen fighting against citizen. When I watch the news, all I see is two candidates from opposing parties try to tear each other down. If our leaders can't get along, how are our citizens supposed to get along? We could say that about the church, couldn't we? And then before the candidates had an opportunity to answer the question, Brecklin just laid it all down. Your examples could make all the difference to bring us This is what Jesus says. Father, will you help them join together as one? Because when they experience that unity, the world will recognize who I am and that you sent me. Our founding fathers made a declaration. Abraham Lincoln gave an address. Martin Luther King Jr. had a dream, but Jesus, our Savior, prayed a prayer. Less than 20 hours before, he gave his life as a ransom for all of us. So the question for you and I is, will we be part of the answer to his prayer? If we could pop that question on the screen. Will we join together in unity, prayer, and love? You may not appreciate the words that I've brought You don't have to agree with me, but my hope is you could take Jesus at his words and at his word. He is asking his church, he's calling us to be the answer to the prayer he offered by joining together in unity, prayer, and love. So will we do that? Will you do that? Will I do that? Here's some quick ways you might do some of those things. Joining together in unity, now may be the time to look up in terms of prayer to God instead of looking out with hostility hostility or putting your head down. Maybe time to focus on what unites us instead of what divides us. And please consider fasting from posting on social media during this time. 
If we want to join together in prayer, can we pray for our nation and our leaders and for the church and for our children and the world? That's where we'll pick up this conversation next week with Greg Ely, who will come and share with us. And can we join together in love, that we would love God, love the furthest out, love one another because the world is watching. And Heartland, your example could make the difference because they will know we are Christians by our love. So I want you to conclude with this question. Will I be the answer to Jesus' prayer? Ask yourself that. Will I be the answer to Jesus' prayer? Will I be part of joining together as one in unity, prayer, and love? Because at the end of the day, no matter the outcome, we can believe that victory is ours solely and fully because it's in God that we trust. Let me pray. Lord, I pray that you would be at work uh, in our culture, in our nation. Will you be guiding the process to a good and proper end? But more than that, will you be over your church? Will you fulfill your prayer in us, individually, collectively, here at Heartland, the church in our city, in our world? Will you allow us to rely on your spirit? Will you allow us to humble ourselves? Will you allow us to do what we can to learn what it looks like to surrender and sacrifice for others, to join together, even when it's difficult, in unity, prayer, and love? And we do put our stake in the ground this day and every day and say that no matter the outcome, we say that it's in God that we trust. Amen.